0: Welcome to the Evolutionary Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Castles, PhD. This week, we delve into the world of breastfeeding advocacy with none other than the badass breastfeeder herself, Abby Thuring. Now, it does feel like no matter where you turn today, breastfeeding has become politicized beyond belief. And the voice of those whom breastfeeding directly impacts is often left out. Whether it's women sharing stories of feeling shamed or bullied into breastfeeding, or the polar opposite of the Fed is Best movement that moves us away from the support that individuals need to reach their breastfeeding goals, advocacy today is a landmine. Now, luckily, it's one that Abby's willing to enter and one that we explore in this hour. So join me as we get talking about breastfeeding advocacy. I am so excited to have with me today none other than Abby Thuring, who you will all know as the Badass Breastfeeder. She has been running the Badass Breastfeeding site for, oh my God, Abby, how long now? 10 years?
1: Yeah, well, like my son's about to be 10, so probably like nine years. Nine years, my God.
0: She also does the Badass Breastfeeding podcast and basically spends her time helping us all figure out how the hell we get through the breastfeeding journey that is so hard for so many. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I'm honored.
0: This is awesome. I have... I love everything you do because it is so real and so just it's that breath of fresh air that so many people need in the breastfeeding world. Right. Like it's I don't know. I just find that too often it becomes clinical and like shoulds and musts and parents need the truth and they need
1: like their best friend to be there with them. And I feel like that's what you are. Well, yeah, and I think there's so much misinformation too. There's wow. so much terrible terrible information coming from our most trusted sources, you know, our doctors and our family members and it it leads to just so much confusion. And you go online and you see the the misinformation and then you see all of these beautifully um crafted and professionally photographed photos and all these people smiling. And it's like, well, this is not at all what it is like for me. Um, So I just want to be like the anti that.
0: Which you are. And so this brings me like we're going to talk about breastfeeding advocacy kind of in this era of Fed is best, which adds a whole complex layer. But before we even get there, how did you end
1: up starting the Badass Breastfeeder? What was what prompted you to become this voice for so many? Well, I mean, it was really an accident. I mean, I, I, you know, it was, I had Jack and he, uh, he, I was induced and I didn't know anything. I knew I wanted to breastfeed. That's all I knew. And I was induced and I was in the hospital and they told me that he, because I was induced, I wasn't making any milk and that he was crying because he was hungry and that I needed to give him formula. And so, of course, I gave him formula and then I said, but I want to breastfeed. And they were like, no, it's fine. It's totally fine. You'll, you'll just give formula for a while and then like your milk will come in and everything will be fine, which is not at all how anything works at all in this world. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I, wow. Okay. I so I went home with like a big garbage bag full of formula and I was so excited because I was like, wow, look, they're so nice. Look at all this free stuff they gave us. And then we were, um, you know, I was like trying to make the transition from formula supplementing to breastfeeding because i was told that i was going to be able to still do that and that was incredibly hard and what i finally did was got a hold of a lactation consultant who was just broke it down um you know, very simply. And I still know her. And she actually posted the other day, like very recently, like notes from our first conversation, like, you know, like wow, two month old baby, you know, like whatever formula supplementing and just like a little notes she had on us, um, which was really cool. And then and then I, you know, I was actually like getting my hair done. And I was telling all these stories. And my hairdresser was like, you start a blog. And I was like, really? Like, you know, like food people do. Cause back then that wasn't really like <laughs> people weren't doing right. this. It I was, right. food it was and the foodies. Blog. That's
0: true. Food and travel blogs. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah.
1: That was that. That's yeah. how it started. Blogging, I yeah. think, is how that's really what how that started. Um, and so I was like, Oh, I don't really have never heard of that. So whatever. I just started telling the stories and it was incredible because people start I shared my breastfeeding story and people so many people were like oh my god the exact same thing happened to me which mm-hmm. stunned me and i was like "Well, what is going on here and at the exact same time oh my gosh my microphone um at the same <laughs> time um i posted a photo of myself breastfeeding in public in a like a mommy group and i didn't know that that was a Like, bad thing to do. (laughs) I hadn't been educated yet. I hadn't been schooled in that area yet. Uh, The social media school, they will dump you. You get it very quickly. I got schooled that day that that was very controversial. Um, Of course, it was, and it was like, it blew up. It was like one side was just like, that's so awesome. The other side was like, why aren't you wearing a cover? That's disgusting. And oh my God, all these things. And I was like, you know what? I am going to start that blog and I'm going to start a Facebook page too. And I'm going to put nothing but breastfeeding photos on it. And Like it took off because there was really a need for that. And I think all of these things were happening to not just me. They were happening to so many people.
0: Exactly. That's the long
1: version.
0: (laughs) No, but it's so important. And it's so crazy to think. And I think that's what makes it so relatable is that you've been there. It's not someone who started their journey and, oh, isn't it peaceful and blissful and everything's been lovely right from the start. And, you know, there is a lot of truth to the fact that we sometimes need to go through these struggles ourselves to know where other people are at and know what the struggles are. Cause I know, I mean you guys on the podcast cover everything on, I mean Mm -hmm. it's your 180 plus episodes in and, but I love it cause I have clients that come to me and say, Oh my God, it was so reassuring. Like I had, you know, this happened and I thought it was just me. And here they are, there's a whole episode on it and it's not just me. And, and they talk about it like it's normal. And it's so reassuring for so many families out there to have that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's what the other thing happened with all of that was, was I ended up kind of in this position of advocacy and as a social worker for my entire career up until then, I was like, well, wait a minute, I know how to do this. Like, I can just do this as like a thing and, you know, kind of shift my focus from children and families, which is what I had been doing to, well, children and families no, still right. with just a different, you know, in different circumstances. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, also where I could kind of continue going along with my social work.
0: So let's talk about this advocacy because it feels like, I think about your early story that resonated with so many people. And then it seems like we got the baby friendly initiative coming Mm. up and there's a, a shift and there's an attempt to try and address what was totally common nine, 10 years ago. And it felt like there was progress being made. And then suddenly we got hit with fed is best. And is that like a fair assessment to say? Like, do you feel like fed is best is almost a backlash to the baby friendly? Well,
1: yeah, it seems like it was a response to breast is best, I guess, which I don't know where that came from. That seems suspicious to me where that came from and suspicious to me where fed is best came from, because I don't know that we need slogans. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't think we need campaigns like this. I think we yeah. just need information. And that's all anybody is trying to do is trying to get out information. And these things end up being like silencers mm-hmm. where you're not able to give the information, because if you do give the information, then it's framed in a way that you're judging people or telling them that they're not allowed to choose formula if that's just what they want to do or they need to do, yeah. Um, you know, because formula is a good option for a lot of people. And I think that it's a very valid option and I don't think people should have to pay for it if they, if they do need it. And, but the bottom line is, you know, right. This is all, it all comes down to capitalism. This is yeah. all for capital. And I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm just no, going to no, no, ramble go capitalism I, I just, for, a year, for an hour. Yeah. You, <laughs> don't stop me. But it is,
0: it, it's <laughs> intertwined into it. You're right. Like it is because the formula companies, which is, you know, it's kind of coming out there. Said that is where "breast is best" came from, um, was in formula advertising. That whole idea of breast that's is best. It, I mean, I feel like that's can't. where
1: we hear it is, like the commercials, right? The yeah, ads, it's exactly. Like breast is best, but but if you can't do
0: best, then here you go. Which it does set it up as. I think this is where this backlash comes from, and so I'm so curious to hear your take on this because one of the things that comes to me when I hear "breast is best." is this idea of putting breastfeeding up on a pedestal. It
1: mm-hmm. is
0: this gold standard. And so when I hear that response of no fed is best, as you know this counter to it, um, it's kind of this acknowledgement that none of us are perfect. And, but there's a pressure to be perfect. And so, mm-hmm. I always want to be careful because I think there's a lot of women out there who hear breast is best, feel judgment for not being able to be Mm -hmm. best. And especially in parenting, right? Like we all want to be the best possible parent we can. So I see that counter. But what does it say about us that we have to demean it down to fed is best or that, you know, breastfeeding, which is a human biological mammalian act that some people can't do, some people choose not to do, and that's fine too. Why do we have to pin it as an ideal?
1: Yeah, and I think that that's where where I think that this is not... When I talk about these things, I'm always my focus is always to say we're not i'm never talking about the individual de- decisions that people are making because actually everybody is doing best everybody is trying their best however you feed your baby sure we are all trying our best um but i f- i feel i feel like this is a way to kind of pit people against each other which is how corporations make money yeah you know by keeping kind of everybody you know, saying, well, look, look at all these perfect people that were able to breastfeed. But look, everybody, we're not all perfect. Right. And kind of just speaking, you know, it's very condescending to absolutely everyone breastfeeding and formula feeding families. um, And it just creates the divide that they need in order to swoop in and get their money. I love that you just said about the individual versus
0: the kind of larger view is that cuz how do you advocate on this large scale while still making it clear that individual choices are not judged cuz i think that seems to be one of the problems here right people read individual judgment in larger advocacy movements and mm-hmm. how do we separate that what like what do we do to to deal with that
1: i have no idea <laughs> I don't know if I know. I mean, I try my best to, I will never take my eye off of these corporations. I think yeah. they are the ones who are doing this. And I will never, ever place blame on every anybody, you know, for their choices. I will always support people in their choices. The bottom line is that most people want to nurse their children. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that we get fed all of this, you know, all of these bad, all this bad information, which a lot of it or all of it was started by formula companies, all of these lies, all of these things that make us feel like we can't breastfeed. And then, and then we have, you know, and then you feel like a failure if you can't, even though you're in a society where you're almost set up to fail, Mm -hmm. where it's designed that way, you know, Um, So, I mean, for me, I just I'm always my focus will always be targeting these corporations um, and helping people just try to get the information that they need. People just need information. But this really needs to be about people getting education and the information about breastfeeding that they need. And we have huge we have billions and trillions of dollars standing in the way of us pushing back against it. And it's like nearly impossible to really get it out there. But you do and you do such a good job of it.
0: So that's why it's, I think, so important to recognize like your platform. You don't shame people. I never hear people coming to me saying, oh, God, I listened to her and she made me feel like shit for. Oh, that's so funny because
1: people do say that to me. They do. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: I never have heard that. about you. I
1: mean, that's good. I don't I don't think it's like I mean, I do try very hard not to do that. And I think that certainly I think there are some situations where like if you, you know, if you just can't figure something out, out and you have some be, people saying like, this is normal and this is okay. And this, you know, sometimes in your exhausted and you're trying to figure it out state, it just feels impossible. And you're like, well, they're saying it's normal. It feels impossible to me. These, you know, and it still feels frustrating, even when it's, you know, coming from a place where I feel like is genuine. Yeah, It's just always hard. I mean.
0: So, Let's go into what are some of the misinformations that we can clear up for some people today? Because there's so much, right? There is so
1: much. I mean, I don't, there's just everything. I mean, I feel like this is what you're going to hear. You know, I guess people get it mostly from their doctors. They go to their doctors and they expect their doctors to have the information. Um, And doctors do not get lactation training in school. They get formula training. They have. They know all about formula. They know all the ingredients. They're taught everything about it. They are not taught lactation. Is this on purpose? You know, if you ask me, I'll say yes, um, because this cur- even the formula curriculum is um, said to have come from formula companies.
0: Of course, yeah, and because
1: because they, I mean, they make the product right, and they're mm-hmm. making the curriculum as a product too. So you know, this is all coming down, you know, from. It's it's very like overwhelming and stressful when you think of, when you realize how high this goes and how deep it goes and how how involved we are in this. Um, but basically, you know, people go to their doctors and they hear things like, "Well, your breast milk doesn't have enough fat in it after six months, or enough calories, or whatever, so you need to use formula." You know, your after your breast milk is just turns to water, basically water after a year. So you should use cow's milk or toddler formula. Um, and you know that's this is that is very very common to be to oh for doctors to say. Um, and then you get into things like, well, your baby should be um, sleeping through the night. You know, at you know, at two months or whatever. I was told four months. If you're talking before four years, I'm going to call bullshit because no, <laughs> this does not happen. Um, I have my nine year old who is usually in his bunk bed in my bed for the past couple of nights because he is having trouble sleeping through the night. Yeah, which he doesn't normally have at his age, but it happens still forever. Who sleeps through the night? Anyway, I can go on all these rants, but <laughs> so then you have people who are like, well, your baby's not supposed to be waking to feed that much at night, so they should be sleeping through the night so that, you know, so you, you, maybe you have, you know, you, you don't have enough milk, you don't have this, and so you need to supplement with formula, and so it it all comes down to, you know, people just being so misinformed about their bodies and their baby's behavior and then making this decision that that they can't keep up, that they're not good enough, that they're not keeping up. And um, and then we have people giving up. And then we have on top of that, we have people that have to go back to work at before their, you know, bodies are even healed. Oh. And, um, and then, you know, and so is that part of this, you know, is that part of the plan too? I think so. You know, this, this is where, you know, as long as we're um, up against these corporations, they're, we're not going to, you know, oh, they're not going to be like, oh yeah, you should, everybody should just take a year off to breastfeed your baby. Like yeah. what? Oh my God. These companies would just go under. That's yeah. not, you know, we're not going to let that happen. Um, so, yeah.
0: Even though I can say living in a country where we're given a year mm-hmm. off paid leave provided, I mean, there's exceptions. I know it's not, it still is a privilege that you have to have your job to be paid for it whatnot, but you know, our companies seem to be doing okay. They seem to right. be fine. Yeah, I think they're, they're handling be okay. it, right? This is- well,
1: you know, but are you like, are you, you know, I don't know. Do you have a bunch of billionaires?
0: A few. I don't know. But a not few. to the mm-hmm. same degree. Would, no, we have income inequality. We do. But it is nowhere near, not nowhere near, but it is not the same level as the US. Yeah. Absolutely. Like the absolute
1: is- crisis that is happening here amongst you yeah. know, our economies. Yeah.
0: Is- yeah it's huge it's but so this brings me so i i think you describe this whole cascade of effects for women that come down and this is where yeah. i see fed is best coming in
1: mm-hmm.
0: is you end up with all the guilt because you're given all this information all these practices that don't work and so like not nursing at night suddenly that affects your supply you're supplementing that affects your supply all these things happen and you end up down really and and nursing stops and Mm -hmm. then because there's this messaging out there of breast is best everything you get the guilt that goes Mm -hmm. with it and then fed is best movement which is a charity as well and whatnot comes in to say no just feeding your baby is best you shouldn't feel bad about what happened
1: Right. It feels kind of like, (laughs) oh, you know, oh, pat on the head. Fat is fast. Oh, it's okay.
0: Exactly. But I'm like, it feels like it's yet another, and and this is my problem with it. Not that I think we can't say to people, no, you, you shouldn't blame yourself. The guilt, all that, that emotion is not necessary. shouldn't be what is experienced, but it feels like it demeans the sadness women can have over losing that relationship.
1: Right. It's true because there is a true and absolutely verified, you know, post weaning depression, you know, uh, that comes from ending these breastfeeding relationships that comes from on, you know, from everywhere on a hormonal level on an emotional and a psychological level that people then don't get to you know, it's like, well, then, well, just don't be sad. It's fine. You know, fed yeah. is best. Don't have any of those feelings. You don't need to have those feelings. But it's, it's, yeah. you know, and, and then, and then you're kind of double ignored. Are you? And, you're, and it's like kind of like, like hitting you while you're down.
0: That's what I always felt, and that's I think what bothers me is that we then take away the rights of people who do recognize their sadness and want to experience it and get through it. And we don't offer them the support because we're just like, well, no, you just shouldn't be sad because you're feeding your baby. You're doing the best you can. So you shouldn't be allowed to have negative emotions.
1: Is yeah. That- I feel like that is across the board experience of all humans on in this like Western call. I mean, I'll just speak of this culture of any kind of emotion that you have at all struggling to kind of adjust to parenthood or outside of parenthood, any feelings it's like, well, just be happy. Just be Don't, you know, don't be sad. Don't be, we have such an issue with people just feeling the feels
0: yeah,
1: and we can't just let them have it. And it comes back. I don't know what it is. Like, what is it? Is it other people? Like, is it, That other people didn't get the space to feel their feelings. And so we can't, we don't want to make room for other people or I don't know.
0: I think that's it. I mean, when we think about, I always think about going back to doctors. um, There's so much evidence that those long, long shifts during residency are not healthy and Mm. not good. And there's always, I was reading about a push to try and get rid of it, that Mm. we don't need it. They don't need... I mean, these are the really extreme kind of days on end of being awake. And then there's always pushback by older doctors. Well, I went through it and I survived it and I'm fine. So you should have to do it too. And I think similarly, if we're not allowed to feel our big emotions, seeing someone else experience them will be triggering for us in many ways, because it's uncomfortable, because we don't know how to process it. But it's also like a reminder of, well, I got through, I didn't get to experience it. So why should I have to sit here and let you be sad about something, right? So I think there's probably a lot to do with this cultural cycle. Um, And then having to break that is... So hard, uh, especially in breastfeeding because again, it's no one talks about it. That whole idea of grief is something that's so hidden around it, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think there's so much, there's so much around breastfeeding that's hidden, right? I mean, we have like it's so taboo here. We, I mean, we have almost it got to a point where like breastfeeding was almost eradicated in this, you know, in this part of the world. Like we don't, you know, we don't have any ideas, you know, how to really do it and deal with it. We don't understand the function of it. We don't see it. We don't, we haven't, you know, we don't, it's not happening around us. And so we don't have, you know, any kind of framework for, um, and then, and we don't have, you know, our kind of village setting that humans have always lived in where people are you know around kind of supporting you we're isolated yeah. the only people we have are our doctors that again they don't know anything about breastfeeding either yeah and so it's just easier to kind of see i mean as a culture you know inside of all of us we have gone we have come to see breastfeeding as just disposable yeah. you know it's something that you can try to do if you if you can't do it it's okay you know not everybody can don't worry about it just use formula and it's like everybody you know, but people have, most people want to try. And we know this, not everybody. And everybody has, you know, for people who don't want to, they have very valid reasons. And breastfeeding is not a good choice for everyone. And formula is a great choice for everyone, for some people, not everyone. for (laughs) for some people, formula is a perfect choice. And that's also why these companies should be held accountable to make a better product too. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it is, and I don't believe, and I, and I believe that it is so needed sometimes that it shouldn't even be, people shouldn't have to pay for it. They should have it available to them. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what I was saying, but <laughs> breastfeeding is like, you know, we don't see it. We don't have any idea how to deal with it. And then we just see it as, you know, well, if it doesn't work out, just, you know, try, and, and even when, even when you're having a hard time, even when you are still breastfeeding, well, I'm having a hard time. I'm feeling touched out. And, we'll just quit. Yeah. Well, just stop. You can just stop. I mean, you can just use formulas. No big deal.
0: And these things are
1: such big deals.
0: They are. And so uh, this is what I love because you started the blog with like pictures of breastfeeding everywhere. You have some classic, amazing photos that you guys have done. I mean, in the middle of streets and everything, (laughs) like your photo shoots are awesome. How important is it that we get these visual signs out there for people to see breastfeeding?
1: I actually have a story of when I was, um, I first had Jack, uh, I, um, went to this cloth diaper class. It was like, you know, showing you how to use cloth diapers and and, um, there was this woman sitting across from me and I, she told me the story later I was sitting in the clay. I had already had my mother. Most of the people were like, well-prepared. They were like pregnant. <laughs> I was like, already had my kid and was like, Hey, I'm going to try this. <laughs> so I was just sitting there nursing him because whatever I that's, again, I hadn't been, it took me a while to realize that you couldn't just like whip your baby out everywhere that you can, it was just going to have consequences. Yeah. Um. So I was nursing him and then I later become, became friends. It's so weird to think too about how many close friends I have that actually found me through the page. They're like, wait, you live in Chicago. Let's hang out. And then we became friends. Um. So this particular person, you know, we became friends and she said, do you remember that cloth diaper class and i said yeah and she was like i was in that class and i was sitting across from you and i saw you breastfeeding your baby and i was just like oh my god she's just sitting there breastfeeding oh oh you can just sit there and breastfeed oh like that's what it looks like and she said that just seeing that because we don't see it know. seeing that helped her figure out how to breastfeed yeah you know, because she just was able to see it. And it is so important. And we know this. So don't there's like there's like studies with like chimpanzees or something, right? With a breastfeeding I don't know enough about it to say it, but No, <laughs> don't you aren't. know what I'm it, talking about. I <laughs> do. And it's it's
0: really interesting because I think, you know, this is one of those misconceptions that goes out there and it's one that drives me nuts is that breastfeeding is natural. It's instinctual. You're just going to know what to do. And it's a socially learned behavior for women Um, or for any chest feeding, breastfeeding, it's socially learned. And so if we don't see it, we don't know really what we're supposed to do. Our babies have an instinct to a certain point. That's why we see things like the breast crawl that they will go up and find and do their best to latch. But all the rest of it, we have to see it. And I think, you know, your story about the pregnancy reminds me of something that kind of shocked me. So when I was pregnant with Maddie, I knew I was going to breastfeed. I was very lucky. I'm one of those. The reason I think I'm a horrible advocate is that (laughs) I did it for it because I don't get all the stories. I grew up with a mom who nursed all three of us. Mm. Um, I'm much older than my siblings. So I have to add, I'm, you know, Eight years older than my brother, fourteen years older than my sister. Yeah, that's the. Sorry, having to do math on the moment. I'm like, how old they? And my mom nursed all of us for over three years.
1: So you saw and, her
0: too, and she the- did it out. And like, there was no. I, I just saw it. Whenever someone was nursing, it just happened, and so I just grew up seeing it everywhere. That was not something that was hidden. And we had neighbors, we lived in a bit of a hippy dippy neighborhood. So there were other moms doing it too. That was, you know, kind of a thing. So at a time when it wasn't really big, like as Mm -hmm. you pointed out, it was almost eradicated. I actually had this bubble of just growing up and seeing it happen on a regular basis. And when I went and I was pregnant with Maddie, one of the prenatal classes we did had a breastfeeding Part it was a separate night that you go for one day, and they talk Mm. about preparing you all things breastfeeding, and it was really good. Like I knew most of it, but it was really awesome for so many people to have. But she started the class by saying, "How long do you think you're going to breastfeed for?" And I was shocked that all the answers. Oh well, I'm going to stop at six months as soon as teeth come in, or no, I I, I'm going to go to a year. But then we have to stop because they have to go all this misinformation that was already present. I was the only person in like, there was 25 or 30 people, the only one to say, I don't know however long my baby feeds and the looks of <laughs> that's not the an answer. How do you like, what do you mean as long as your baby feeds? The idea that you could follow a child's lead seemed, it was unheard of. And so I feel like this goes to that expectation in pregnancy that we're putting limits on breastfeeding as if it's something like no, we have to have them out of diapers by this age, they've got to be doing this by this stage. It's something that, you know, starts even before birth, I would say. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think too, you know, you no, know, being pregnant is a thing too, right? Being pregnant is a huge, huge, huge thing. But we see it all the time. Yeah. And when you become pregnant, you just like know how to be pregnant because you've seen pregnant people everywhere you can't not see it you know just like you can't it's just they're walking around they're waddling around and you're like oh i know how to waddle because i saw it and you just know how to be pregnant and then but you don't know the rest of it because the rest of it is totally hidden yeah and the and the and the um and you know we have movies and tv shows that like show us that babies just sleep in the corner whenever you need to have an important conversation or a meal, they're just sleeping in the corner, like, or you're committing a crime. Like we watch Breaking Bad is like one of our favorite shows. And my husband cannot watch it. He's just like, where's the baby? This is so <laughs> unrealistic. Where is it? The, like the baby is just sitting there sleeping. It's so unrealistic. They would not be able to like organize this, going through all this organization with the baby. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I know it's so true. But like, we did the same thing. We like, you know, so I think when you, When you don't see it and you don't have the, like we said, we know how to be pregnant. We see it. We know how to deal with that. And then when you have all this other stuff that you don't see, you don't know how to deal with it. So you start making all these abstract plans based on all the terrible information that you have about it. And then, and then, and then you can go into, you know, of course, it's such a multi-layered conversation because then you can go into the over-sexualization of our bodies and just breasts in general, and like breastfeeding somebody that's over a year or whatever, then it becomes like, whoa, wait a minute, you know, what are you doing with? Oh, that's that's just weird. That's not what yeah. they're for.
0: It's so. Let me ask. Speaking of that, if we want a myth best, how long did you nurse both yours?
1: Yeah. So Jack, I was, I was able to breastfeed through my pregnancy with my second and then tandem feed. So my, um, I tandem nurse for like three and a half years. Wow, I can't believe I did that. That's and, amazing. Yeah. Jack was six and a half when he finally stopped and Exley was a, 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 around five.
0: Yeah. So, and that's, I, I've similar Maddie was six and a half, seven. I, mm-hmm. d- you know, the hard part is, I don't know if you know this, but like I just realized one day she'd stopped because I was nursing Theo I just suddenly was like wait a second you haven't nursed in a while and she's like oh no I stopped that a while ago I'm like
1: oh <laughs> that's exactly what he said to me too <laughs> I was like he oh, was I actually, actually yeah he was actually like I said you know you haven't nursed in like a week and he was like yeah I could kind of tell you didn't really like it anymore oh I was like "Ew, oh my god that hurts my feelings you know but I was because I was like you know towards the end, I was like, okay, we're going to do this for one minute and then I'll put my arm around you. And then, you know, I think he was just kind of like, eh, yeah. she's not it, into it, it anymore. So forget <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> well, it is. And that's one of those things, you know, I tandem fed too yeah. with Maddie, not for as long because there's a bigger age difference between them, but it felt really weird. I got oh, to say horrible. like yeah. that you get that newborn latch that's good again. And it's mm-hmm. like, they're so efficient. And then you get this like Weird straw Hoover kind yeah. of thing <laughs> going on.
1: It's yeah, just... so the giant mouth and all the moving and the uh, and I the can't, and I had nursing. teeth and yes. all of
0: it is yeah,
1: yeah. And I had nursing aversion set in for me when I was pregnant, and it never went away. Oh. It never ever went away. It was really you know, it now, was did just it terrible. Transfer on to Exley, or was it just it, for? It Jack's did nursing. eventually. It, I mean, it did not for a very long time. It was just, it was just Jack. Okay. Um, and then, no. With Exley, it did towards the end. It was the same thing, and yeah. um, he just—they both just stopped. Exley was more—he—he he could kind of take it or leave it. And one day, he was just like, "I don't,
0: yeah. I don't want, I don't want to." I don't know. I'm still going. Like I'm waiting to see.
1: Theo's How five. Is, I, mean, I didn't let you finish. So yeah, Randy he's was five. Close. He's five. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I kind of felt this year when he turned five. It felt like we were heading. Like he was kind of getting done with it, and he's kind of ramped back up a bit again. So oh, I'm like, yeah. okay, I don't know what's happening here. So I'm just rolling with it. Oh it's- my god,
1: I have to tell you this story. It just happened this morning, and everyone was laughing so hard. We were talking about. They said, I said, I'm going to be in a podcast today. What are you talking about? And I said, you know, breastfeeding and fed is best. And Jack was like, what's fed is best? So I was trying to explain all this, and Exley comes by and he goes, what's breastfeeding? And Jack goes, huh? and i was like you know i was like you know this like boob you know when you drink from like a boob you know he goes oh and jack goes i never thought anybody would ask that question in this house (laughs) (laughs) right but But it's it's true it's like yeah it's just his he just forgot yeah i was like do you remember that he's like oh yeah yeah okay he just forgot what it meant but jack was just like what
0: (laughs) well for and it's true when you think about it from a kid perspective it's just feeding right? Like it's
1: not special. It's it's
0: just one other thing that they do. And I don't know, I never call it breastfeeding with Theo. He calls it boob. Yeah, right. I just want boob. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, it's booby time. Yeah. And yeah. So just like I might say, hey, you want some popcorn? It's I don't call it popcorn feeding. It's just, you know, you're hungry for popcorn. That's what it is. Right. Um, Going back, sorry, to these images. What... Can we also talk, which you alluded to earlier, about these perfect breastfeeding images? Because I remember seeing that, and still, even though I I knew it was not real, but there were moments I even caught myself being like, I just feel like I should look nicer when I'm feeding. You know, you're kind of lying there disheveled, babies are straddled across, possibly having just thrown up on you. (laughs) And it felt like, I was supposed to be more glamorous about it all. If you're doing it, 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 there's that pressure there. Is that, was that just me
1: or is this like? No, I think there is. And I think that's what social media does, right? I mean, yeah. like, again, it's the social media where, I mean, you want, I mean, it's it's very, and I've done this too. It's like very natural to like be so proud of having a new child. And like, you know, if you if you worked really hard or even if you didn't, you know, whatever, <laughs> breastfeeding, you're just like, you know, like, you know, it feels really sometimes it can feel very empowering. It is an empowering thing when you're feeding somebody with your body and, um, you know, you want to kind of honor this with a beautiful photo and then you show it to everyone um, and then it becomes this big thing. And, you know, and the breastfeeding movement became a really big thing. It became a big thing. You know, mm-hmm. we, we really, you know, we really like pushed it and, and it became just such a huge thing. But then I think what, you know, what ended up happening with a little help from the formula companies was like, you know, wait a minute, look at all these perfect people. Yeah. You know, perfection, you know, not everybody can be perfect. And again, we're talking down to people, right? Like you don't need to be perfect. And so the kind of the anti that was like, well, let's just be disheveled and formula fed and, and the mommy wars. And you're like, let's mm-hmm. say you know, also oh, something invented by formula companies. Yeah. Um. You know, let's like, you know, we don't need to do all that. We don't need to be perfect when, you know, it's like this. This has all become so political when this is like not what it is. It is. It is just a normal bodily function. Mm-hmm. It is. This is all breastfeeding is, is just a normal function of your body. And but I- and. I think the images are wonderful and they help normalize and they help you understand breastfeeding. But I think they also can hurt a little when you see all these people that look like, you know, princesses in a meadow. And this is not <laughs> what anybody feels like, you know. Yeah. And I think that's it. it. And that's what I guess the power that you have, which is so
0: good, is to show this other side is all these images of the good, the bad and the ugly. All of it. It's you get to have those good moments. There are peaceful moments. I remember having those serene Yeah breastfeeds where you're like, oh, this is amazing. And then there's times where, yeah, it's just you're surviving getting through it. But this is the other part. So we have the visual piece, but then there's the talking about it piece too, because it feels like so much of the pressure on women and why there's that shift to, to change and not be perfect is they're supposed to love every minute of it. And you kind of said it earlier where when it's hard or whatnot, the answer is just quit like you could just stop, just go. But is that being driven by the fact that none of us talk about how hard like in almost an you think about advocacy and trying to get people to do something most of the times we try to build it up like no 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 yeah. it's awesome it's amazing yeah it, it's a hard sell to say no you really should you know give breastfeeding a shot your nipples may crack and they're gonna hurt <laughs> and sometimes it bleeds and then you get mastitis and that goes on and but seriously stay with but me seriously, you should do it right but there has to be room for both how the hell do we get both narrowed? narratives in here? Because they're both real. It is amazing. And there are times, like, you know, as we both had aversions and that latch when they're older, that can be um, annoying, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, Like, how do we get both narratives out there?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think you just share all the stories. I mean, you're sharing all the stories and letting people tell their stories and letting people and normalizing those kind of that that narrative both of them um i don't i you know i don't um i mean i guess i do have a lot of those i do have those professional photos and those wonderful things and and you know but but sharing those you know i i also think that when you have if people had all of the information the correct information you know breastfeeding would start off easier and it would go easier you know you wouldn't Mm -hmm. have constant like just constant problems and um so that's why i think you know getting the problems obviously addressed early on um and getting the information out there and normalizing seeing it it would just take a lot of the heart a lot of the difficulty would go away but it doesn't matter because it exists right now so yeah i mean you know normalizing and letting people know that these things are normal If you just, if you let people, from my experience, if you let people know that what they're going through is normal and that we can share solutions and we can help them through it, most of the time, not all the time, and that's fine, but most of the time, what I see is people find that it's worth it, Yeah, that they feel that it's just worth it to keep going, you know, and we're in the middle of a pandemic and a lot of people are like, I was going to wean, but now I don't want to, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to have, you know, this, this, you know, the antibodies and all this stuff that, that comes with the breast milk you know, a- available to my children. So um, I think that, yeah, I feel like just telling people, just telling people it's normal, usually lets people, it's normal and it passes. Yeah. In my experience is enough for people to be like, okay, I do want to do this. And so I'm going to keep doing it. Hmm. So I don't know if that answers your question. But- no,
0: it does. I think so. I think it's just finding the right space for it. And that's what becomes so hard because, but you're right. Empathizing in the moment, it's it's that balance of how much do you prep ahead of time, because you know some people need to know that the pain they feel at the beginning is not normal, right? Yeah. Like there, it's it can be normal to be uncomfortable, all this, but if it's excruciating, and that goes back exactly to what you're saying about the misinformation, is people get told, oh, that's totally normal, and you need to live with it, and they can go months and months and months with problems. And of course, you're going to start to resent it and kind of not like it. And that goes on. But balancing prepping them with this information versus being there in the moment. But if we can't trust our medical providers to have the right information, sharing the stories ahead seems almost necessary
1: to getting that information out there. If that makes sense. No, I think that's a good point. Actually, what stood out to me was was that is that just telling people that these this is normal is not enough because then people end up just saying like, well, then, well, then I'm not dealing with this <laughs> because this can't possibly be okay. If this is normal, I can't believe you guys are all doing this. yeah So, yeah, if you have excru- excruciating pain in the beginning and everyone's just like, well, just go home, which is what happens in the hospital because no one in the hospital is trained on dealing with that. So, you know, if we had somebody in the hospital, all these people going like, well, how does it feel? Well, it hurts. Okay. So let's see what's going on here and let's Mm -hmm. fix this right now. And then people wouldn't be dealing months and months and months with pain. So, I mean, the fact that people stop is no surprise and there's no shame and no like nothing. Like if you did like... Like I, you know, dealing with nursing aversion and tandem feeding and all of that, when I going through it now, looking back, if I was to have another child right now, I don't know if I would do it. Yeah. Because I don't, I, you know, I don't know if it would be, if I would want to go through that again. Yeah. And I would maybe wean a little earlier than, you know, maybe I would, you know, work it out. It's like, it's, it's like, there's no. It's not like, no, I feel like that's the other thing that happens with this is like when you're trying to put the breastfeeding information out there and you're like, oh, d- breastfeeding a toddler is totally normal, too. And people are like, I don't want to breastfeed a four year old. And you're like, then you have to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you don't want to breastfeed a formula a four year old, you don't have to. Like, you yeah. don't, you know, you also don't need to do it all the way that everyone else is doing. Exactly. Um, And it is really hard. It is true. It's really hard to get all of that, all of that out there because we've got social media. I mean, social media and the podcast is the means that I have. And even in a 30 minute podcast, you end up not you end up missing a whole bunch of stuff, even if it's just one tiny little topic you end up missing all of that stuff. And especially with memes on Facebook, you know, like that, you know, you have this one thing and people are like, what about this? Well, what about that? And you're like, yeah, I know I wasn't really talking about that, but you're right. It is totally interconnected into this conversation. And it's so hard to, to just get all of the layers of this conversation out there.
0: Yeah. You know, and this, it's like, you're telling these stories and I'm going, God, it makes me think of all these other things that layer upon layer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, breastfeeding is so nuanced. There is so much individual variability and everything that I think that's what makes it so hard is we want to prescribe it as something like this is what it's going to be. And you can have your expectations. You know, we love predictability as humans, right? We love to know that something's predictable. And I guess this goes back to, you know, the more you see the lack of predictability in breastfeeding that you see it can be done in different ways and different ages and different stages and and positions and this and that, then at least that becomes predictable in its own right. You get Mm -hmm. to lose those expectations there. Um, Can we talk for a bit? Because I think this is one of the biggest struggles. Like I feel like we're getting into this idea of how much stories and what we see and what we do matter. And I know one of the hardest stages for so many families that I work with is those really strong bouts around teething or whatnot when kids are nursing nonstop
1: and
0: Mm -hmm. you know, all night and you know, I know it, we've all been there. I have, it always makes me sad how many families feel like they're horrible because they hate that stage. Yeah. And you know, In the spirit of sharing stories here, I mean, you nursed for a really long time. Did you love nursing during teething?
1: No, I did not (laughs) like nursing. There's a lot about nursing I didn't like. I didn't like nursing during teething. I didn't like nursing at night. I didn't like nursing while pregnant. That was really uncomfortable. I didn't like nursing probably more than I liked it. And yet you kept going. And I kept going. And again, you know, it's like, it's like, it's that, yeah, it's like, (laughs) I kept going. And if somebody else doesn't keep going, it's just like, yeah, I know. I don't know why I chose to keep going. Maybe just because I had, you know, had been working so hard for it in the beginning and then wanted to tandem nurse. And I just kept going. I don't know.
0: But that is like, yeah, I think it's (laughs) fascinating that you acknowledge that you didn't like it possibly more than you even liked it. And yet- You know, you're talking to someone who nursed for six and a half years and then five years for a second child. But you like that's fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a certain there is a certain level of like when you're a parent, you're just like. So here's my thing. You know, we have a lot of like, you know, those stages are really hard and people come to me for help during those stages all the time. Mm -hmm. And the answers that I have for them are you know, there are no good answers because when you have a child that is nursing through the night, you know, whether they're six months or 18 months or two and a half and they're nursing through the night and that's what they've always done, you can wean. You can, not a six-month-old. I mean, you can (laughs) wean a A a six-month-old. Absolutely can wean a six-month-old. My my point is you People talk about weaning as if it's just this magical, glorious thing that you can just say, well, sorry to break it to you, but you're weaned. So now go to sleep. <laughs> it so does not happen that way. No. You know, they're still going to wake up. They're still not developmentally ready to sleep through the night because if they were, they would be. And, yeah. and if they're, you know, and if they're not and you're not nursing, they're still going to wake up. And you're still going to be dealing with them awake during the night. And you're still going to be dealing with, I mean, like the biting thing, like, I feel like there are some better answers for that. Um, But then, you know, all the other times that you don't like that, the things that you don't for me, for me, one of the reasons why I kept going was I weighed the pros and cons of going through the weaning process every day. And I chose lazy. And it was oh, just so glad easier. <laughs> it was just so much easier for me to just deal with it than to yeah. go through the whole process of like trying to wean these to wean them, which just seemed so hard. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, and like I said, my husband has often said to me, like, he feels like our parenting is like, I know it's all good, but it just seems like in a good way, lazy parenting. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it is so much easier just just to sleep with my kids, nurse them through the night, through these times, even though there are times I remember like the worst of it, screaming into a pillow oh, and yeah, cursing, just like wanting to be, and just like, I fucking hate this. I'm done, done, done. Just every raw negative emotion coming out at being touched out and everything. And then still being like, that's still easier in my mind. <laughs> than going through what totally. it would take and the distress that would be there. And, you know, and it's not that I, you know, I I think I hear this. Someone said it the other day. Where where was it? Um people are being told now that Oh, it was with sleep training. Yeah. People are being told now that the only problem you have with sleep training is that you just can't handle your kids crying. Otherwise, you'd be able to do it, that it's just this. It's, it's your own fault that you're, you're just struggling with hearing them cry. And I'm oh. like, well, yes, yes, I do struggle with hearing them cry because I love them. Um, I, I don't like hearing anyone cry, really. It's not a joyful experience, yeah. but um, I can handle being there for them. During that time too. But the thought of doing it when I had nursing as an option was like that felt like for me, like you said, the pros and cons were no, I think I'm just gonna stick with this. And, you know, I figure that at some point they'll sleep again. Um, they'll have those teeth, they won't be nursing, it will end. And it did, obviously. And it'll all be good, but it does feel very lazy. It's just yeah
1: yeah i also feel like there's some middle ground and there's and there's people i don't think people realize this is it was a big epiphany for me too is the creating the boundaries you know for yourself <laughs> because it's like you have to breastfeed on demand even if there's seven or you're letting them cry in a room by themselves okay well look calm down that's like not this is not how it is and i think that one of the reasons why i lasted so long was because i was able to finally figure out how to create some boundaries around it and was able to get them which was terrible and i had to listen to them cry and it doesn't feel good and listening to your kids cry feels bad for a reason you're Mm -hmm. supposed to feel uncomfortable that's your you know human element your parent in you telling you that this child needs something and you need to figure it out and like leaving them to cry in a room by themselves is not the answer no but if you're creating boundaries around breastfeeding for say a 2 or 3 year old and they're crying you're not leaving them to cry alone no. you can you know offer them some fun new snack or you know cuddle them or read them a book or do something where you know you're where you're still meeting that need but maybe you know you're creating this boundary around breastfeeding so i think it's you know you don't you there's middle ground here it's always so extreme everything is so extreme it's that i feel like this is what capitalism is doing too because it capitalism is to blame for all of this i don't care what anybody says this is what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) it is just creates all of this so extreme like you know there's no middle ground it's just extreme you know, your breastfeeding isn't working out, then give formula. And then if you don't like that, well, then you're a bad person. You're shaming and you're, oh my God. It's well, you know, just taking it back to this idea of breast is best versus
0: fed is best is we put one means as the best up on a pedestal, but the counter to that is just simply the, I mean, I hate the term because it reminds me of just the bare minimum. Yeah. As you know, Fed is best is just saying, no, 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 no. All that's best is that we just provide the bare necessities for our kids. And yeah. when you're using formula, you're not just feeding your baby. Like, Fed is best would be like, okay, I'm going to go give my kid, you know, a glass of milk at, as a baby, and that's all I'm doing. That wouldn't give them the nutrition they need. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. help them thrive. Like, that's not... It is so much more, the preparation, the work that goes into however you're feeding your baby. Like you said, everyone's doing their best on an individual level. Um,
1: And if you're not, then you end up with social services. Like, that's kind of... (laughs) Yeah. and, and uh, Yeah. And I feel like you're you're also as 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 we get older, we get like kids, you know, school age kids and whatever, you know, older kids. W- we would never say Fed is best. No, to that we have like and in, and at least in the United States, we have this huge push to better school lunches mm-hmm. because the school lunches are total garbage. And the people that are we, we haven't even begun or we haven't even touched on how black communities are hurt so much more by all of the things that we're talking about. Formula marketing and targeting and the deaths of babies that are not being breastfed based on all of this terrible, terrible information and the targeting of these companies on these communities. Excuse me. Um, But then we have the exact same problem when kids get older and, you know, we don't say like, well, we, it doesn't matter what you feed them for lunch. Fed is best. Yeah. We're like, and you know, in this right now we're going, no, these school lunches are terrible. This is not okay to be feeding our kids. You know, so we're talking about like what we're putting into people's, bodies you know but the conversation when they're babies is just like it's not okay to have yeah it just, yeah it, it seems like it's not okay to have that conversation it's like well you know you're just shaming people for using formula well it's not at all what that's <laughs> not what's happening people deserve information you know people need to make the inf- people just need to have information whether you're going to be formula feeding or breastfeeding you need to have all of the information mm-hmm
0: Uh, And the capacity, I think, to have options that you can choose from. And I think Mm -hmm. this goes to what you just said, like targeting communities. There's areas where there isn't a choice, really. Like, I think about, you know, the capitalism being back at work just to get a supply going. If you're back at work three days postpartum because you don't have support financially, you have to just keep a roof over the head of your Mm -hmm. baby. You're even if you want to breastfeed. I don't know how that even looks because you don't have the time to be doing the frequent feeds that would be necessary to get your supply up.
1: Yeah. 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 And we, I was, this just reminds me of a story when I was, we were driving around one time, I don't know, we're driving around and we got a flat tire and it was a, like a black neighborhood. And so we pulled into this, um, a mechanic and they were fixing our car and we were, they're like, you're going to, it's going to take a while. So, you know, just, you know, sit here in the waiting room. And we had, Bo- I don't know if we had Exley, but we had Jack. Um, and my husband's like, All right, I'm going to walk around and see if I can find something to eat. Um, and I live in a neighborhood. It's actually a quite diverse neighborhood in Chicago, but we have um, delis and grocery stores and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, in this neighborhood, he walked around and the only thing he could find was McDonald's. And so we were eating McDonald's. And I said to somebody, I saw a friend on the internet I was talking to, she lives in, she's like from New Zealand. And she was like, Ew, you ate McDonald's? And I said, Listen. There are a lot of neighborhoods in, in America where that is the only option. Yeah. And that is not an accidental. No. You know, this is it's... what we're doing. This is, again, comes back to capitalism and how we keep people on top and keep people on the bottom. Like, this is, you know, we could see this unfolding in front of us. And that's you know, it's, this applies, too, to, to babies. That's
0: Yeah, I never even thought about the food issue as adults and how we keep it there. But it's true. Like, we're limited by what what is around us. And going back to to breastfeeding, yeah, what's around you? What do you see? What's available? What supports are in place? Like, if you give birth in a hospital and like you had, no one knows anything. How do you even get out and find that information? And that is... Yeah, well, that's
1: the thing is if you don't know to ask you mm-hmm. just think you go into this and you're just like okay well I'm sure I'm positive that my doctor is going to be giving me the right information because they're a doctor yeah and then but but that's not what ends up happening and so how would you, but how would you know to ask yeah it's
0: I, oh, this is what makes it so hard and and I feel like I don't know how you feel about this and this may be getting on a completely different issue altogether but I always struggle with, how much I feel like some of the advocacy for babies, families that happens online is still just geared towards upper class white women. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, the timing and who's online, who has the capacity to be there and research everything to death is Mm -hmm. a privileged group of people already. It's so then how then right and And then my
1: experience i mean i share my experience and my experience comes from i mean my experience was very difficult and i share how hard it was but it was an extremely privileged place to be and i did find the right information because i was i i you know i had the resources to stumble upon it and find it myself but that's not how it is for most people
0: no and so i guess my question comes because you do this and i know you have the podcast and you have the social media but how do we get the, like, what is the answer to getting the information out in a, in a broader sense that people know that they can ask questions? They know they can come out without having necessarily the, the privilege that many people have to know something's wrong or to be able to spend the time researching it if they feel like it's wrong.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I know that there's, there is a huge movement with like black breastfeeding week and um, native breastfeeding week, you know, to try to get, to try to touch these communities, to try to reach people when they're pregnant. There's birthing centers that are being made um, in these like, you know, black only um, birthing centers being made in black neighborhoods. There's one like in the Bronx. I mean, they're, they're going on all over the place. Um, And so we have this, you know, what has always gone on um, in our country is that black people relying on each other I'm just, I'm speaking specifically about black people so that yeah for the you know ease of this conversation but and those are the people who are hurt the most i mean black people and native people in our in the united states are the people who are hurt the most by this but we see what we've always seen with these communities is them coming together to you know advocate for themselves and to take care of themselves basically so we see a lot of you know black lactation consultants that are working with black families and black midwives and like, who are focusing on their own communities mm-hmm. um and it's you know i think that we need i mean what needs to happen to help these communities is uh, is such a huge systemic change that it feels hopeless i mean it feels totally unattainable and i don't i don't it feels bad to say, but I mean, you know, then we get down to things like who we're voting for and who we're, you know, putting into office and who's going to make policy changes. Um, and, you know, these are important things to not forget. You know, we can't sit out, we can't sit home on election day. We saw what happened. You know, you cannot skip elections. You can't, you know, you can't, um, you can't skip your local elections. You know, sometimes people are like, well, you know, uh, stay home for the local ones and all. Just go to the president one. But, you know, the local ones are really, really important because yeah. these are making these changes, you know, and these policy changes in your in your area. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, these huge systemic changes are the things that are going to make the real impact. And I think that comes from, you know, the policymakers.
0: Yeah it's so true and i feel like in this case in particular with breastfeeding so much of that has to start at the birthing point kind of you know yeah. that beginning stage is where or even
1: before. before
0: yeah yeah the prenatal like i mean i admit i i was floored at how good that one little class was yeah. that we did and it was just this introduction and i thought about it if i hadn't had the experience i had there was a lot of stuff being talked about you know without She did a really good job of not scaring people, but talking about, you know, nipple creams and and you might have this and what to look for if your baby has thrush or what mastitis feels like. It was kind of this preemptory. These are some of the things that can happen. And this is what you need, which was she was an IBCLC that ran it. So, I mean, it's not surprising she came in with kind of this list of this is what you need to worry about. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, yeah, prenatally. I think that set the foundation for hopefully anyone in there to ask those questions after to feel like, okay, I don't need to accept the answer that this is normal or just quit that there are alternatives to this out there.
1: Yeah. And I think, yeah, even, even before that, you know, (laughs) like we have, you know, we have kids that we put into schools all day, you know, we can be teaching them and what we focus on are these abstinence, things and these, you know, these sex education things, like just what this is. And it doesn't work because yeah. people are going to have sex. That's just how it is. And what, you know, then we we don't talk about like all this. stuff I mean, I became pregnant at 35. I didn't really know how my boobs worked. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. And why? Why is that? Why did I go my whole life with these things on my chest? And I just thought they were for like dressing up. Yeah. And I had right? no, I did not know how they functioned at all. Well, that, that's, there's that's, something wrong with that.
0: But again, it feels like, as, I'm going to just quote you now, it comes back to capitalism, right? We sexualize yeah. breasts so that we can sell more stuff, right? right. We can yeah. sell the bras, the the dresses, the, the look, the yeah. sexualized look comes from feeling like they're not. I'm looking down at my boobs now. I'm like, I don't know where they are. They're just all saggy and gone now. But um, that whole sexualization's long gone with these yeah. ones. But it is. I think it is. It's more selling of stuff. And I think it also is. I mean, this could bring us into a totally different area here. But the more it reminds me of scientific motherhood. That was something um, Jenny Roger was talking about, and it's something we spoke about in our paper, was this idea that you know only experts know about you and what you need. Yeah. So you're the mother. You have to do everything, but you're not competent enough to know what you're yeah. supposed to do. And it's like sexually, too, you are in charge of your sexuality, but it only can look a certain way to be mm-hmm. accepted, right? And it's like this constant... Struggle of trying to keep people in line, it feels like. Yeah. Right. Like whether it's, you know, covering while nursing because no one else wants to see it, even though that's what everyone needs to see. Yeah, Um, You know, dressing a certain way, having your boobs be sexualized, whether you want them to be or not. Mm -hmm. um, That's not like a personal choice. I know some people that love their boobs and want to show them off and that's awesome and go for it. But people aren't given a choice in that matter anymore. It's they're sexualized, whether you like them or not, um, whether you want them to be or not. And yeah. So, I mean, there's this whole feminism aspect to this, as well. And I feel like the feminist piece takes us, you know, again, the two sides. Cause I see breastfeeding as feminist advocacy, but then I also see people saying the other side of formula is feminist advocacy. Uh, uh-huh. Like, where do you how do you see feminism intersecting with all of the breastfeeding advocacy that you do?
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like feminism or you know, these kinds of things, you know, this. This should be about making the choice that you want to make, I think. Um, but, of course, we live in a system that doesn't allow for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's the whole point. But, <laughs> you know, of feminism is, you know, trying to change that. But, um, you know, I for me, it just comes down to having information. Like, I mm-hmm. want to give information. I want you to have all the information. And then you go and you do whatever it is that you want to do. And I'll hold your bag while you do it. I'll, you know, like, you know, I don't care. People are like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't breastfeed. I don't care. Like, not that I don't, not to be rude, but like, (laughs) I don't care. You know, you just, I'm just trying to give information and then you do what you want with it. And you should have the freedom to do that, you know, to just do whatever it is that you want with your body. Whether you want to use it to breastfeed or not. That's really, Mm -hmm. no one can say anything we can't make judgments on this? There should yeah. be no you know best or like you know, worst or whatever with this. I mean, again, it's just a biological function. It mm-hmm. is a normal bodily function, and you should have all the information that you need in order to work it out and do it if you want to or not. yeah, and you need to have all the information to bottle feed too. I mean,
0: well, exactly. that's like we seem to accept, oh maybe we don't. I don't know how much we support that information for bottle feeding given what people are given but i feel like at least maybe because again it's a product that the formula companies do try to give you the information you need to make a bottle properly and do all
1: this stuff but well i feel like it's more built in too because you have like the growth charts are all based on formula fed babies you know how long babies are sleeping is all based on formula norms You know, so it's kind of like all just built in and, you know, you Mm -hmm. should feed every two to three hours. What? Who? who, 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 What? That's like that is a very bottle feeding schedule thing, which, of course, uh, you know, if you're bottle feeding, then you are going to follow a schedule like that. But if you have your baby just attached to you, who's counting? How can you count? How do you count the hours that way? They're just there. So this is all. Yeah, it's just built in. It's built into the to the information, the formula stuff is.
0: It's so true. And it just, it makes me think going back, I mean, that whole idea of counting feeds and checking all this stuff. I'm like, we would not have survived as a species if back, you know, you think back to caveman times here, like, oh, no, sorry, guys, we've got to go sit down and feed. No tigers coming. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Sit down, time to feed. Like, we wouldn't be here. It doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, I know. it all feels so illogical and yet it's true it's just so
1: woven into our our societal fabric that it's, it's Yeah there. it's amazing how much when you think about it you're like oh wait that doesn't make sense <laughs> but like but i but you always believed it because it's just built into the to our to the system it's, uh, yeah. it's the belief that we all have and it's, you don't think about it you don't think to think about it because yeah. it's just there
0: it's even just the flip around. I was thinking about what you said about you know nursing all night and the wakings at night and everything. There is a a belief that's so deep rooted that breastfeeding causes wakings. And- yeah, right. You know, like oh no, 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 you're breastfeeding, so you're making your baby wake up mm-hmm. and. I'm always like, I don't know. It's not like I'm waking up in the middle of the night and like forcing my baby awake to shove my boob in her mouth. Like that's that's not what's happening here. Right. Like, I know. With- we
1: just had this conversation on my page the other day when there was a discussion going on. Somebody said, well, you know, the the sleep breast association is real. And I'm like, is it? <sighs> like and it- I I guess what I go to is and I know the research. I read all
0: the research. And yes, when we look at Parent And I guess this is what it comes down to. When we look at parent-reported wakings, Mm -hmm. breastfeeding is an independent predictor, right? Mm -hmm. So parents who breastfeed do report more wakings than Mm -hmm. parents who are not breastfeeding. But that's
1: supposed to be, right? I mean, that's the norm. That's the biological need.
0: Exactly. But there's also then when we look at, you know, something like actigraphy and wakings, all of a sudden, those other babies are actually waking. They're just, oh. you know, so it's not actually necessarily changing their sleep. Mm-hmm, it's right. just that for whatever reason, they're not signaling to their parent because yeah, not breastfeeding. They're not asking for the boob in their mouth. They're right? not. Like, yeah, they're not right
1: there attached to you. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so I always want like want people to know, but yet that assumption is so pervasive, or the mm-hmm. idea that nursing to sleep is a bad association. Oh yeah, I mean, right, right right? Like, and again, the nuance, it's either, and this is what I always have to talk to families about. It's well, either I nurse to sleep and I'm going to have to be the only one to ever put my child to sleep forever, mm-hmm. or we have to stop nursing to sleep altogether. Right. Like, I can never do it. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, okay. But how Extreme. does that
1: work? <laughs> Like
0: what is, you know, and it is, it's all this, we have these extremes that go back, but I always, it's true. Like you're making me think of all these things that are just so built into what we come out with, you know, from growing up in this culture that has shifted. Oh my goodness. All right. I'm sorry. I've kept you so long here. Let me ask one last question here. Yeah, What is the one piece of advocacy helps something outside of voting, but just on a day-to-day basis for breastfeeding. Cause we all know we all need to vote yeah, yeah, that people can do. Cause I know people do want to do things, but it feels so touchy, right? Like, what do you say? What is one thing you can say to a new breastfeeding mom
1: that can help in that journey? I, you know, the the piece of advice that I always fall back on is find a lactation consultant. You know, even if you're pregnant, especially if you're pregnant, find one, find one and just have them there. Like have them on speed dial, say, I'm going to pregnant. I'm going to have a baby soon. You know, we have this, we have this idea that lactation consultants can only help if we're in a problem, but the lactation consultants are here to help us get started with breastfeeding. They're here to help us make sure that it's going okay. You know, you can, you can contact, uh, get help from somebody, even if, even if things seem fine, even if you're just wondering if you have questions, even if you want to wean, lactation Mm -hmm. consultants can help you with this. We think like, oh, we can't mention that to the lactation consultant. They'll judge us. No, that's (laughs) weaning is part of breastfeeding. (laughs) And if you need help with that, then call one. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I would always get, you know, have, have somebody to contact when you, and not somebody that's not your doctor, somebody that's, And there are doctors that have gone on to become IBCLCs and have all the information, but most of them don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just having somebody besides your doctor, besides your mother-in-law, you know, who who can who can (laughs) give this information that the proper information about whatever's going on developmentally. Or even if you just have like, you know, I don't know, you know, a question of like, you know, everything seems fine. You know, do you think everything's fine? And they'll talk to you about this. Yeah, and, you know, uh, a lot of lactation consultants will tell you how to file through your insurance um, to cover their uh, cost.
0: Actually, yeah. So for the US, and I know for us, if you're in Canada, there are many You probably just get one, right? Practice. You probably get one just well, to get sent no. to your house. <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> but there are, depending on, you know, if you do end up, you usually have to go through certain clinics. I know in some yeah. places it can be covered and ours is, you know, provincially based, but you know, there are private practices that you can go through and then you can either pay yourself or it can be covered under supplemental insurance. But <laughs> if you're in some areas, there are clinics that are covered. So,
1: yeah. And actually, in. the way that I contacted a lactation consultant was I called the La Leche League in my area. There was I you just it's free. I yeah. went to gr- she had groups. She talked to me on the phone. She was like, everything's going to be OK. We're going to figure this out. And she did. I got yeah. all the problems that I had. And they were long. You know, they I had waited until they were because I didn't know what a lactation consultant was. So yeah. I didn't even know until later on to ask. But, you know, the La Leche League is free. And you yeah. can call and they'll talk to you and they can, you. there's probably groups around you that you can just go and you'll find other breastfeeding people and they will, you can be friends with them and you can breastfeed with them. And it's so fun <laughs> to have people that are like also doing it because that is such a huge thing too, is having other people around you who are, who are feeding their babies this way because that helps yes. exponentially. Yeah.
0: All the weird things, having the people at the same time. So is your kid doing that? Oh, it's yeah. not mine that climbs over backwards and tries right. to nurse like in a handstand position. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, right. I know. It's so true. It's all about community. It all comes yeah. back. But it's so true. Having a, an IBCLC in particular is so I feel like they should just come with They birth. should. Like, they should. <laughs> we should give birth to our baby and somehow have an IBCLC pop right. out at the same time right. ready to go.
1: Yep, that's yes. how it should be. <laughs> but we have it. Oh,
0: my goodness. Well, and the other thing I will mention now, though, is that as I have heard from so many who have been there, your podcast is if you're pregnant, start listening now. Don't wait time. because, you know, A, there's so many episodes. It's going to take you that time to get through <laughs> You <everything>. can also <laughs> just scroll through the titles. <laughs> but no, but I think like, you know, you have episodes on lopsided boobs. Like mm-hmm. that is... These are things that,
1: you know. Lopsided in shitty titties. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) asked me. Yeah. Somebody sent an email one time and was like, I have a shitty titty. And I was like, oh, my God. Can I name my podcast episode that? It was so awesome. (laughs) But but people don't know. They're like, why are they uneven? Yeah.
0: Yeah, And people don't think about it with breastfeeding and everything. Mm. And so it's like, I would even say, you know, listen. Yes. Pick the episodes that you think are most relevant. But listening to everything Mm -hmm. and just taking it in. That's that preparation, that information that comes in beforehand, right? Is that all of a sudden, you know, you can know what you're looking out for. It doesn't seem weird. And then when you're in a panic going through trying to figure it out, you're like, wait, I have a little inkling that I I heard something about this before. And
1: yeah. And back. if you Google it, your, your instinct is just going to be to Google it. Cause we Google everything, but Google yeah. is a really, really, really shitty lactation consultant. <laughs> it's really, it's a really good historian. It's a really good like fact checker, but it's a really bad lactation consultant. <laughs> It'll give you all all the bad information,
0: Uh, right? That is what all pops up is. Well, (laughs) and again, not surprisingly, when corporations are right, when they've got the top top spots and who gets all the, the, the views there. So totally. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Abby, I could talk to you all day. I know I it's it. always such a like, pleasure talking oh, to you. Oh my Lord. Well, <laughs> we'll have to do it again, but next time we're going to delve in. I would love to to delve in more, especially in the intersectionality issue here. Oh yeah. Uh, that'd be great. But, see, but we'll have to do that another time. Thank you so much for Thank being you. here today. And now we can go enjoy hopefully a bit of this. I don't know if you have nice weather now,
1: but yeah. Uh, nice-ish. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Maybe spring is coming maybe sprung. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully.
1: Right. (laughs) We deserve it. Finally.
0: Oh my goodness. All right. Well, thank you. And you can check the show notes. We'll have all the links to the podcast, to the site, to social media, all of it. Um, If you're not following Abby already, which I assume pretty much everyone is that listens to this, but if you're not, then you are missing out and you really need to go do it now. But also tell your pregnant friends, get them on, as you said, earlier the better. So not only get a lactation consultant, but get them listening to the podcast, get them looking at the social media sites to see what's normal and the huge range of normal, because that's the whole thing. Normal is a range. So... Thank you so much, and uh, we'll do it again later. That's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation, whatever your feeding journey is or was. Now, next week, we get to continue on the topic of breastfeeding with the extraordinary Dr. Anshli Palmquist as we talk about the various ways humans have engaged in cooperative lactation around the world historically and today. I promise you, it is well worth a listen. And in the meantime... Stay safe and happy parenting.